G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Of course, as a Christian, you'll be familiar with the way that we talk about the message that we carry. We call that message the gospel, which simply means the good news. And those who respond to the gospel are, in a little bit more of this sort of religious terminology that we use, but we talk about being redeemed. And along with that imagery comes the idea of being unshackled from slavery. So you imagine a slave, someone pays the price, the shackles are taken off. How do you feel as the slave? You have been set free. So that's essentially what happens with the gospel and being redeemed. Now we respond to the good news by believing on Jesus Christ, which is the way we access this gracious gift of God, of salvation. Well, today we have a conversation that has a focus on what happens if we reject the good news. When people reject God, they choose a different path. So the ultimate outcomes are our own choices. Well, Jesus said, Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You can find that verse in Matthew chapter 7. So what is this destruction that Jesus warns about? Is it only about an eternal destiny, or does it apply during our lives? Well, it's going to be a great conversation, and as I said a little earlier... I guess we're wading into some deeper waters and you'll be welcome to participate in our conversation today. You might have your own thoughts. You might have a question to ask. Well, let's welcome our special guest this hour, Stu Miller, who is the founder of Train to Proclaim. Stu, a special welcome back to 2020. Great to be back, Neil. Stu, as an evangelist, uh, you are someone who just has a passion about this message of the good news, and you take opportunities wherever you can to share the good news. How often do you talk about the bad news? Because I imagine that when we talk about alternative pathways, we're Mm -hmm. talking about pathways, as I've just mentioned, leading to destruction. Uh, How much does the bad news come up in those conversations? Uh, every time, (laughs) because I don't think you can understand the good news unless you understand the bad news. I think uh, most people in our society think, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm okay. If I were to, you know, die and face God and surely I'll be going to heaven. I'm not like those murderers and rapists and, you know, I'm not a terrorist or anything like that. I'm a good person. I do good by my neighbor and, you know, um, I'm okay. And that's the, the general feeling of most people in, in Australia. And so I find that uh, you've got to actually share the bad news before you can share the good news. Because if uh, people don't understand the predicament that they're in, uh, they've got absolutely no idea that they need to get out of that predicament. <laughs> okay, yeah. so uh, we're born into sin yes. and therefore tarred with the same brush. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all in the same boat together. But what about the person who says, uh, well, I don't believe I was born into sin. I believe I am a good person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you broach that topic then and uh, talk about consequences of what you do 
believe. Mm. Well, most of the time I'm using the G7. As those who have uh, heard me before on the show will be familiar with the app, uh, Gospel and 7 app. And uh, it's a fantastic way to c- communicate the gospel and it's communicate these sort of things without being too confrontational. Because as soon as you start talking about the, the problem, which is our sin, <laughs> uh, people sometimes can feel like we're pointing the finger at them and we're holier than thou and we're judging them and all this sort of thing. And uh, the lovely thing about the app is that it does bro- broach the subject. It talks about the bad news, the fact that all of us have broken God's laws, but it does it in such a gentle way. Because you're looking at the screen of your phone or your tablet, and uh, so you're not eyeballing, so it removes a lot of that confrontation. And you're saying things like, hey, I've done this before. What about you? Have you done this? And then it's like the screen speaking to both of us, and we're in the same boat here. Hey, we're in trouble here, aren't we? <laughs> we've broken God's laws. We've lied. We've cheated. We've stolen and and uh, even hated. You know, the Bible says if we've hated in our heart, it's the same as murder. It's like we've murdered inside of us. And so we're all in, you know, if we're honest, we're all in trouble. And so then you bring in the good news of Jesus and how he has made a way possible to get out of that. But I think it's really important the way that we communicate that first part. We don't want to come across that we're, we've got it all together and, and you haven't and you're the sinner and, and we're not. I think as Christians, we've got to be very gentle and loving and, uh, and include ourselves in it. We've all broken God's laws. Some of us who've been around for a while will be familiar with that terminology, you know, the preacher who preaches hellfire and brimstone. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, as you have just shared, when mm. you're using the G7 app, mm-hmm. uh, it's a little more diplomatic, even mm-hmm. gentle. Yes. But I imagine that the the hellfire and brimstone is there if you were looking deeper for it, because you're actually saying that there are consequences to your sin. Absolutely. You might be saying it gently. You might even be smiling when you say it. Uh, but you are saying that if you choose a different path, you sure. are heading down a road of destruction. Mm. And, uh, and so there is... A gentleness required, but mm. in a sense, some people, some people, you know, uh, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? Mm. Uh, some of us will see that and recognize it. Mm. Uh, others uh, need a little more persuasion. And sure. I imagine that when people have used the hellfire and brimstone method in the past, uh, there's been a certain set of people who did respond because they needed to have that sort of beaten around the ears with uh, the idea that there is destruction on the way. Yeah, well, the app actually is, is is not hiding it at all. It talks about heaven. It talks about hell. It, it very clearly shows the path of what happens if you receive Christ, if you make a commitment to turn and surrender your life to Jesus Christ in response to what Jesus has done on the cross and putting your trust in him and, and how beautiful that is in heaven and then how terrible it is if you reject God's offer of forgiveness. You reject what Jesus has done on the cross, and the result is hell. So it's not it's not hiding anything. It's just a gentler way of putting. So it's sort of, I, I I think it's like speaking the truth in love. The methodology is a very gentle and non-confrontational way because you're looking at a screen, but at the same time, nothing's watered down. It's all there for people, and I think we can be loving and still speak the truth. And uh, that, that's a bit of a challenge, though, to do that, isn't it? It is. You know, John chapter Mm 3 is where we get what most people will say, the most popular verse of the whole Bible. Oh, yeah. And it is really just the verse that encapsulates the good news. Mm -hmm. And John chapter 3 verse 16 is the one I'm talking about. You know, God so loved the world that he Mm -hmm. gave his only son 
And whoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Mm. Do you know what the the whole gospel message, as some say, is encapsulated in that very one verse? And that's why we all love to learn that verse and know it off by heart, apply it to our own lives. Even in that verse, though, and it's Mm. got that gentleness about it, Mm. but even there, perishing is a word that's in there. And so there is a warning that comes even in the loving communication of that verse. Well, I think it is actually the most loving thing you can do is to communicate the consequence of actions without Christ, you know, if you don't receive Christ. Now, I'll I'll give you an example. Like, Imagine, Neil, you're sitting on a railway track. You've got your iPad in your ear, iPod in your ears, rather, and you, and you can't put an iPad in your ears, can you? <laughs> that <laughs> would be a bit difficult. One. Uh, an iPod in your ears, and you're listening to music, you know, it's up loud, you're reading a magazine, it's all good, but you're sitting on this tr- train tracks, you know, in your favourite, you know, uh, deck chair, and I come along, and I see that there's a train coming, and it's going to run you over. Now, I could sort of say, hey, excuse me, excuse me, uh, yeah, fella, yeah, you, yeah, you on the train track. Hey, look here, I've got a picnic. Would you like to come and, and have a picnic with me? Like the, I've got lovely food, you know, I've got some brie cheese. You like brie cheese, you know? Do you like grapes? And I could try and entice you over, you know, just bit with all this good stuff. But you'd be saying, what, what are you doing? <laughs> we, we shouldn't just try to attract people off the tracks. Let them know what's happening and that'll be a motivation to get off. And the most loving thing I can do is say, excuse me, oi, there's a train coming. It's going to run you over. You will die if you don't get off the tracks. Now, some people go, oh, that's scare tactics. Don't try and scare me. You're trying, you're using scare tactics on me. No, I'm just telling you what the truth is. And I think the most loving thing we can do is let people know the truth. Now, obviously, Christianity is attractive as well. I mean, Jesus sets us free, uh, like you were talking about before. We're free from the bonds of slavery, of sin. Uh, we we uh, are forgiven. We uh, have a new life in Christ. We have a new identity. We have meaning and purpose in our life that we never had before. There's there's so many wonderful things, you know. Uh, uh, you know, Jesus has given us life and life to the fullest or to its abundance. The Bible says in, in John ten ten. All these wonderful attractional things as well. But the main point is to let people know there is a consequence and to this decision. And, you know, if you're experiencing those transformations in your life, mm. and I'm experiencing those transformations in my life, I'm mm. knowing what it's like to be unshackled and free uh, from those consequences of sin, mm. uh, then together we have a community. And, mm. and, and so others are experiencing that as well. And so we link together in a community. Absolutely. And then mm. we have a community of believers, and they're the people that you're meeting at church on Sunday. Mm. And these are people who are a part of the body of Christ. And together, mm-hmm. you're actually flourishing together. And mm-hmm. uh, this idea of human flourishing is a very powerful concept. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll get into unpacking some of that because yes. the consequences of choosing a different good news, uh, bad news, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it, the consequences of that lead to a different sort of flourishing as well. Mm-hmm. We'll come to that. But let me stay with this just for a moment. Uh, John chapter 3, before we move on. Mm. We mentioned John 3.16, a little encapsulation of the gospel, and you say, mm-hmm. well, that word perishing is in there, but maybe that doesn't, that's just a nice soft way of talking about this. Well, a little later in John chapter 3, a couple of other verses, verses 18 and 36, have some important content. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's good news. Mm. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed the name of God's one and only Son. 
Mm. Then verse 36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. So it's Mm. not like we're left in any sort of doubt here. Just that one chapter in the Bible, reflective Mm. of the good news, also reflects a serious bad news. Now, Stu Miller is with us. We're going to take a quick break. Our talkback line is open. You might like to join in our conversation today. Consequences of believing or rejecting. 1-800-316-316. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020. On Vision Christian Radio. Stu Miller is our guest. From Train to Proclaim, our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. I'll leave a note on our Facebook page. Stu, as we're talking about the consequences of not believing, I mean, we like to talk about people who do believe. Probably majority of people listening to our conversation today are people who are believers, Mm -hmm. uh, but grappling with these thoughts, uh, people who Mm -hmm. are close to them, family, friends. And I mentioned that as you believe the same thing that I do, uh, that we have a community, that we have a growing culture. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the sorts of things people might believe if they don't believe, if they reject this good news we're talking about. And uh, people also gather into communities and Mm. believe the same things together. What are your thoughts? Sure. I mean, when you look around the world, there's about 6,000 different religions. Okay. There's a a lot of different worldviews. And even within religions, there's a lot of different worldviews and different, you know, even within Christianity that you find a lot of different doctrines and a lot of different ways of looking at things. Uh, And so, but just looking, you know, at at our culture and, and Australia, I mean, there's uh, quite a strong push, particularly in the media uh, and in our culture, towards secularism, naturalism, uh, existentialism, nihilism. You know that that there is no God. That we're just you know let's trust in science. You know, uh, and so there's we've almost gone through an era of the of the. the the modern era and we're in the postmodern era now so but we still put, have this trust in science we go well we we trust what we can see and touch and feel that that's the real stuff everything else is subjective uh and then the postmodern era comes in and says well it really we've we've found that bankrupt you know there is more to this life than just what we can you know than chemicals and molecules bouncing around in the universe that there's a part of us that we have a soul there's a spiritual realm and people sort of instinctively know that there's more to life than just the physical so we've got sort of these two uh world views that are prominent in our society one that of people who don't believe there is a god and one where they think that that there is a spiritual realm, but you can't, you know, everyone's got their own opinion on it and everyone's right. You know, truth is relative. It's quite a pluralistic sort of a perspective. And there's massive problems with both, Neil. <laughs> well, let's just pick up on the science one for a moment. Sure. People seem to have an, mm. an assumption that science is like a person, mm. has a personality. You know, mm-hmm. some point, you'll hear people say, science says. Yes. Uh, of course, science doesn't say anything. Uh, people do. Uh, That's right. But people assume that somehow or other uh, that they've been told by, you know, the latest atheist author or whatever, that mm-hmm. science has all the answers. Yes. Well, science is not a person. Uh, what are your thoughts for the idea that that there is nothing being said by science. It's only people who are interpreting the facts, the facts of uh, what they might have discovered. Mm, absolutely. I think um, during the 17th, 18th, 19th centuries where science sort of came into its its own, uh, a lot of people 
I mean, prior to that, basically the world was, was theistic. You know, everyone believed in a god or gods of some sort, you know, and everything was explained by religion, uh, different religions and different explanations, but it was explained. But then science came along and said, well, hey, maybe the, the reason you're not getting sick is not because you've sinned or because you've, you know, broken the, you know, your, your religion. We've got microscopes now. We can see germs. You know, this is actually the problem and you've transmitted it from someone else and you've caught it off them. And all of a sudden, there's some logical scientific explanations for some of these things that were attributed to religion. So what happens is that a lot of people have gone, religion's not right. We need to trust in only you know the scientific method. And so they've thrown out religion as if everything's wrong in religion because some of the things that were attributed to religious things were explained by science. Now, of course, that's just not the case. <laughs> and it's very unscientific to hold a view that there is no God because you'd have to believe that everything came out of nothing by nobody for no reason. And we just know that that's scientifically impossible for something to come out of nothing. <laughs> And essentially, when people attribute some personality to science, mm. what they're really reflecting on, I think, is the fact that science doesn't happen by itself and that there is personality behind it. And as Christians, we'd say that's God yeah. who is behind science. You mentioned this other terminology, too. And when we're talking mm -hmm. about, you know, people having a worldview, sure. uh, when we share those things in common, we're sharing uh, mm -hmm. a belief, uh, we're, yep. we're sharing a worldview. Uh, people who don't believe in God, they have their own worldview that they're mm -hmm. sharing too. And in this day and age, uh, mm -hmm. when you mention that word postmodern and you say that people think a little bit differently, it's a bit more individualistic. It's all mm -hmm. about me. And if I believe something, sure. uh, then that might be different to you. And you can have your truth and I'll have my truth and we'll all be confused together. Uh, give us a little <laughs> insight into what you think about that worldview. Well, that, that's, postmodernism is, is a very interesting one because there's some people who just go, there is no truth. And then there's other people who go, everything's true. Your, 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 you got your truth and I got my truth. Now, the, let's deal with the first one first. There is no truth. I just respond by saying, is that true? <laughs> and of course, if they say yes, and you go, well, that, that is that is true. Then there's got to be truth. If they say no, then then you're wrong. There is truth. Either way, there's got to be truth. Now, we just cannot live our lives like this, Neil. There's no other sphere in our life that we we live like this. When I had breakfast this morning, and I said to my wife, "Is there any milk in the fridge?" She didn't say, "Well, if you believe there's milk in the fridge, there's milk in the fridge. But if you don't, there's no milk in the fridge." Of course, there's either milk in the fridge or there's not. We, we we just don't operate like that in any. We can't have a conversation if we don't believe in truth. We can't even ask the question. You know, if you ask me the question, "Is there truth?" I go, "Well, do you want the true answer, or or do you want me to make up a lie?" You know, like, no. Of course, you want the true answer. We all want to believe in truth instinctively, but there's this fallacy, this wrong thinking uh, in our society that there is no truth and. It's a truth statement in itself. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that people go, well, everyone's right. And uh, earlier on, uh, we, we uh, ran a, a stall at the Mind Body Spirit Festival. And there was a lot of new age people there and people who believed that everyone was right. There was very strong postmodernistic thinking. All the religions are right. And we had a poster that said, all the religions can't be right. It was very pr provocative, and we had some angry people come into our store and say, that's not right. That's not right. You're wrong about that. And I said, what, do you believe that everyone's right? Yes. I said, well, I believe you're wrong. 
well, you're wrong. They said, no, 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 you can't say I'm wrong because you said everyone's right. <laughs> and so, so all of those names start getting called. You know, you're a bigot and yes, you know, you're, yes. you just think you're better than everybody else because you're saying that you're right and everyone else is wrong. Look, a couple of minutes out from news, sure. let's take a call. Rosemary from Victoria. Hello, Rosemary. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm Should very I'm well. It's a little while since we've heard from you. Stuart, yes, it has been a while. I'm busy with el- elderly parents, Neil. Okay, yeah. Which can be... Can be very time-consuming and takes your oh, well, mind, yeah, yes. I think they're still alive in their mm, mid-90s. Yes. Every day, if you Rosemary, know I mean. running yes. short of time, what are your That's thoughts right. for our conversation today? Um, I'm just thinking, if we can, with God's help, without realising it's with God's help, if we can be reminded to our day God's given us today, if we can understand that or not, help somebody else today and make their day a bit brighter with something we can do make a cup of tea for poor old grandma Mm. if she would like to accept a cup of tea from us instead of wasting the entire day you know that's not fair or whatever Uh, Rosemary I love your thoughts you could have a grand plan that you might never get around to but we have today and Mm. as believers we need to make the effort in whatever way we can to live this life this faith Mm. that we've been given Stu what are your thoughts very quickly for Rosemary Absolutely, and uh, and uh, it's part of the world, Christian worldview is we want to enrich other people's lives around us, and uh, because God has made us, we are v- intrinsically valuable. We're made in His image, and we have such respect for life and for other people that we want to enhance that, and uh, that's central uh, in the kingdom of God. As we come to this part of the conversation, uh, I wonder if we can recap uh, something we were saying a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And that is about the good news, and the good news has also in it a component of bad news. Well, Mm. let's just focus on the bad news for a moment here, Mm -hmm. and uh, as gently as you say it, or as forcefully as you say it, uh, there is uh, particularly bad news if you reject the good Mm. news, and I wonder... If we might just sort of uh, have have a little bit of a a dwelling on some of the really bad stuff. All right, let's get the bad stuff out in the open here, and we'll take some <laughs> some uh, some calls in just a few moments. But really, uh, Stuart, I'm going to I'll run through a few things that the Bible says about the bad news. But uh, sure. as you said, we can't avoid the bad news because mm. the bad news is important for us to know. Mm. We, we can never understand the good news without knowing the bad news. We have never have a need of a saviour unless we first know we're a sinner. We, we, we don't know that we need to be saved unless we, we, we know we're in a predicament. Okay, let me just summarise uh, a couple of things here that we might glean from the Bible. Of course, the Bible becomes the document that we look to as God's revelation mm. to us, so the things that we understand from that are important. So in summary, uh, those who will not believe in Jesus uh, will perish. Uh, we heard that even out of John mm-hmm. 3.16. They're already condemned. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will not see life. And we'll suffer the wrath of God. Mm. All right? There's your fire and brimstone. Uh, Jesus gives us lots of descriptions of the consequences of rejecting God's salvation. Mm. Uh, Being cast into outer darkness, uh, Matthew chapter 8, or a lake of fire uh, out of Revelation chapter 20, or a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth uh, into everlasting destruction. A lake that burns with fire and brimstone. That's where we'd get that sort of that fire, fire and brimstone, and brimstone from. idea. <laughs> so all of that bad stuff. Mm. And as I mentioned there in the introduction, this idea that it's our choice. Mm. 
Mm. Um, we're all thinking that it's crazy not to choose the good news. Uh, some people are determined not to choose the good news and will uh, say, well, I'm not even sure those consequences will happen. I don't mm. even believe that. Uh, but the bad news has to be presented. Otherwise, the good news doesn't have the same gleaming shine, does it? No, it doesn't. And in our postmodern sort of thinking in our society, people just say, oh, well, that's your truth, but my truth is different. Uh, I don't believe in all that stuff. But the reality is, is if this is true, it's true. You can't – that's the nature of truth is it's exclusive of everything is not, that is not true. Uh, I was speaking with someone in the last couple of weeks uh, who uh, asking these same sort of questions. How do you know what's true? You know, is, you know something could be true for you and not for me, this exact same sort of thinking when I was sharing the gospel with someone. This, And uh, I said to them, I said, look, I was actually talking with a Buddhist and a, and a, and a new agey sort of a person. It was quite interesting. I said, look, if both of us went up the top of the, you know, this building that we're, we're standing beside and we jumped off the top of the building and you two didn't believe in, gra- uh, you two believed in gravity. So you're going to come crashing down and you're going to break a leg or possibly even die. But if I don't believe in gravity, I'm going to be okay because I'm going to just float around, won't I? And they sort of looked at me like, you're kidding, right? You, you, you don't believe that. And I'm like, that's not true, is it? Because it actually doesn't matter whether I believe in gravity or not. It's completely irrelevant. Only the truth matters because the moment that my foot leaves the top of that building, I'm going to come crashing down with you because it doesn't matter what I believe, only what truth matters. And I said, if, the, if what I've shared with you today, then it's true that you will stand before a holy God. You will be judged. And he's not going to ask your opinion on what you think is true. He knows what's true, and he's going to judge you by his standards. And if the, the main thing is, what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? He's made a way possible for you to be forgiven and set free. Don't just say that that's a truth. It's either true or it's not. Okay, we're going to develop our conversation a little further in just a few moments because sometimes we can be thinking, oh, this is all about the end of your life, uh, mm-hmm. when I die, uh, if yep. I jumped off that building. All right, well, uh, well, of course, there are other consequences too, and they will be the consequences of what happens in our life as we live according to the way that we've chosen, whether we've chosen mm-hmm. the good news or whether we've chosen to walk off in another direction. We'll get to that in just a few moments, but let's take some calls. Uh, let's first of all here from Peter in Queensland. Hello, Peter. Welcome along. Yeah, good morning. What are your thoughts, Peter? I just might be backpedaling a bit. I appreciate uh, when you mentioned the whole of John chapter 3. A very key verse is John 3.36, and a key word in that verse is the word remains. Of all all words that are all in John chapter 3, is the word remains where it talks about God's wrath remains on us. And we pauses us, it causes us rather to ask the question, why should God's wrath remains on us and why is he a fit judge? Um, and in order to appreciate God's right to judge us, we have to understand his immense majesty. And, mm. and the lake of fire, which is only, it seems such a, when you contemplate it for just a moment, not many people do, that it's such a, a horrid destiny. I, I, I can't contemplate it almost to say that. But it only seems there when you consider that the lake of fire is, is appropriate if because of God's goodness. He is eternally good. He is eternally righteous. He's perfect and pure in every way. And to assign us to the lake of fire is our just desserts, sadly, 
if we reject all goodness, which is God, if we reject all love, it's almost God is honouring our request to have exactly what's uh, in contrary to him in a way. Peter, you are making such an important point here because actually one of the ways we can determine what goodness is is if we have a contrasting idea of what badness is and uh, and God has given to us both mm. and says make a choice. Your thoughts for Peter, Yeah, Stu? Uh, I think uh, you know some people listening might be going, what are you talking about, Peter? How can, how can you say that God's good and then say that you know there's all this bad stuff? Um, but it's because of his goodness that he's a good judge. Now, if 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 uh, your eleven year old daughter was raped and and you ended up in court and the the guy was caught and then the judge just came out and said, "Oh well, I'm a loving God," uh, sorry, not a God, a judge. loving judge, and I'm just going to let you off the the crime. Off you go. Would you call that a good judge? No, you would not. You'd, you'd want to see uh, just justice taken out. And so it's a very good point, Peter. Uh, it's because of God's goodness that He is a good judge, and He has to do the right thing. Thank you so much to Peter from Queensland. Let's take a call from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Yes, hi. Um, yes, good good conversation. Um, the thing is, when you know God and you know his word, then you can see how the world is so deceived. There's so much mm. deception out there. And very often they don't realize it until they're, like you said, in such a situation where it's absolutely disastrous. Mm. And the thing that um, I wanted to add was um, Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. I used to wonder about that when I used to read it because I thought I thought he could be found any time. And yes, that's true. God is available to us at all times, at any stage in our life. But the problem is, if we hear God, and this is for Christians as well, believers, if we do hear God and we don't respond to him straight away, the opportunity may have gone. And we can become so ensnared further and further down the track that we don't ever find our way back because we can't hear him anymore. Beautiful words of wisdom there, Robin. Uh, Mm. Let's hear from Stu. Your thoughts for Robin. Absolutely, Robin. And I think that the the more that we reject uh, God when he is speaking to us in a variety of ways, the, the harder that our hearts become. And uh, and the less likely we are in the future to be able to respond to his offer of love and goodness to us. And so it's so important that we do respond. And, and uh, you, people just start believing their own lies. The, the more they go into down the wrong path, the more they're convinced that they're right. And we can see so clearly that, that it's just it's a lie and it's a deception. Uh, and yet they can't see it at all. And so I think there is a, a point where people go beyond uh, you know, th- there's an opportunity earlier on, but they keep rejecting it because they want to live life their own way. They want to be God of their own life, and it's uh, tragic to see people go down that path. Thank you so much to Robin from Mount Morgan. Our talkback line remains open, 1-800-316-316. Stuart, let's, let's move our conversation to the idea that good things can happen in our lives when we choose good news today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that there might be a separate set of consequences if we choose to reject that good news. Mm. In other words, uh, every other component other than the good news, we'll just uh, we'll just bundle all that into the bad news side or sure. into the bad direction side. Let's bundle all that onto the the wide is the road that leads to destruction side. And uh, you can you know you can let your imagination run wild. Who's in that side? Because whoever's rejected this good news mm. is in that. 
uh, wide is the road that leads to destruction category. And sure. we have something uh, wonderful wisdom from the Bible mm-hmm. uh, that talks about what happens when mm. you choose the good side or when you choose to go your own way. And uh, I'm just drawn to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll know that as the chapter that has the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Yes. And I suspect that when someone has chosen the good news, Mm. uh, what happens in a supernatural and in a determined way is that the fruit of the Spirit is Mm -hmm. born and begins to come out and changes the character of a person. Mm. Uh, If you choose to reject the good news, then what is likely to happen is the fruit of the flesh comes Mm. out. Mm. Uh, What are your thoughts? Before we say what those fruit of the flesh and fruit of the Spirit are, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it is a a very attractive thing about Christianity is that God wants to change our lives. I think uh, instinctively all of us, we we, we know that we should be doing the right thing and we feel good when we do the right thing. When you you give uh, and you're not stingy, you feel great. (laughs) When you love someone instead of hating someone, you you feel great. You've got life flowing through your veins. It's, It's a wonderful place to be in. To be experiencing those fruit of the spirit, but we often can't, we, we go we we can't change our lives. A lot of people want to change and can't, and it's only through coming to Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life that God changes you day by day in that process of sanctification. But let's not be under an illusion here, because mm-hmm. when people choose to reject the gospel, mm-hmm. they will feel good about. Mm-hmm choosing the opposite direction. And uh, mm-hmm. so if I go through what some of those fruit of the flesh are that yes. we can find in Galatians, mm-hmm. uh, we'll discover that these things actually feel good. We might be able to identify that there are consequences at the end of the feel-good feeling. That's right. Okay, so, uh, so the fruit of the flesh are manifest, uh, which are these, adultery, I guess mm-hmm. that can feel good yeah, um, until until everybody finds out about it and uh, and uh, everything goes to custard. Uh, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That's the idea of letting your thoughts run wild in all sorts of uh, destructive ways. Uh, idolatry, witchcraft, uh, hatred. Some people feel so good about hating people. They want to hold mm, on to that hatred. They do. Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. I think we'd need lots of definitions with all we of those. We might need. <laughs> I need a dictionary in here. Uh, I should have got a different translation, shouldn't I? Uh, envyings, murders, drunkenness. Now, there's another one. Feels good while you're pursuing getting right. drunk. In the morning, you wake up with the hangover. So drunkenness, revelings, and revel, revelings, and such the like. And I just, I'll just bring the contrast here because the choice of the good news, mm. the presence of God now living in our lives, uh, brings out a different sort of a character. And so the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness, temperance, and against such things there is no law. And, of course, mm. you might have learned the fruit of the Spirit and all sorts of different words in there right. as well too, but they are, it, it, sure. it demonstrates the same sort of thing. Fruit of the Spirit, very different mm. to the fruit of the flesh. Absolutely. And, and when, you, when you do you know, look at, at the, uh, the fruit of the flesh and the, the sin in our life, uh, and when we, when we participate in that, we feel terrible. I know I do. You know, when you're prideful or lust or you're greedy or selfish, 
you don't feel good. You're not really living life. You know, you, you feel like, oh, man, I wish I could change. Oh, man, I wish I could do the right thing. And uh, But when you're living the life that God wants you to do and you're, you're living by the Spirit and not by the flesh, you're living with love and joy and peace and patience and you know, you're giving and you're kind and and you're living life. You got you know that John ten ten life that we talk about when Jesus came to give us life and life to the fullest. I don't I don't believe it's some sort of a just a spiritual experience where someone lays hands on you and you receive this life in Jesus name. It's this life is Jesus. It's, it, Jesus is the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the more of Jesus we have in our lives, the more of the fruit of the Spirit we exhibit in our lives, the more life we have flowing through our veins. It's an incredible thing. And I like the words being generated within us. And mm. sometimes that sounds a little bit mechanical. Uh, but sometimes we refer to some terminology called regeneration. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is being generated in us is life. What is being mm. generated in us is those fruit of the spirit. Mm. And of course, as we are then connected with others who are Exhibiting sure. the fruit of the spirit, we have community, and yep. let's and we haven't got time to actually get into this today. But it's the community of our family, it's mm-hmm. the community of our local church, our broader community, mm-hmm. and it's the community of a nation. Mm-hmm. And we can see, even if we're reflecting on votes, even this past weekend, of how a community in Victoria has mm-hmm. chosen uh, to go along more along the lines of the fruit of the flesh, Absolutely. according to the policies of the Labor government in Victoria, rather than a pursuit of the fruit of the Spirit. And there might be even issues as to uh, which parties were even demonstrating any of those fruits of the Spirit. So it gives you an (laughs) idea of how you can judge. But even uh, just very quickly, though, this has has national consequences, not just for a personal experience. Absolutely. It's got got consequences in our own lives. But uh, what we do affects our families. It affects those around us, our workmates, our, our community. Uh, and then it, our communities affect the, 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 our states, and then our states affect the, the nation. Like, uh, peop, you know, what what we do in the in our worldview isn't just for us personally. It is uh, about our whole society and our whole nation. Uh, in fact, you know, the opposite is also true, of course, um, that if you want to change the world, people say, I want to change the world, I want to change Australia. But if you want to do that, you've got to change people in Australia because Australia is made up of people. And if you want to change people, you've got to change their hearts. And if you want to change their hearts, the gospel message is what changes. The good news of Jesus changes people's lives and is changing people's lives all around the world. Uh, and so that's why I'm so encouraging of Christians. If you're a Christian, I encourage you to share this message because it can change someone's life, which then can overflow into their family, into their community, into this nation. And let's not even stop at nations because <laughs> if we were taking that one step further and we haven't mm. got time to unpack it so much today and we have unpacked it before on 2020, the idea of entire civilizations. We talk mm. about Western civilization. Sure. Well, it has been shaped by oh, yeah. many of these fruit of the spirit. Yes. And it started individually. It then became a collective and then a community, then a nation. Of course, whole civilizations we can see shaped by these foundations. Uh, Let's take another call. Philip is in New South Wales. Hello, Philip. Welcome along. Uh, Hello. Philip, what are your thoughts? Uh, Well, my thoughts are a a very scary thought. I I don't know whether you can cover this today, but like a person that, <clears throat> you know, lives a, 
a reasonable life, you know, doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, which which would be sort of pretty much my family. Uh, somebody that just lives a life of, you know, three score and ten to seventy or eighty and then dies, and then they're punished eternally for a brief existence uh, uh, that that didn't ask for existence anyway, uh, you know, didn't ask to be born, but who will be punished eternally. What what are your thoughts on that? It doesn't seem, it doesn't sit right to us. What, What are your thoughts on that? Well, if I was responding to you, Philip, I would say a loving and just God Uh, We're going to be in his hands. But if we're reminded in Romans chapter 1 that we are without excuse, uh, so that even those who are going along living a happy-go-lucky type of a life are still without excuse. And I suppose that sounds hard, but there is a sense in which we all will stand before that same loving, merciful and just God And we are all without excuse because he has revealed himself in so many ways. Even if no one spoke to us, uh, the thought will be within us. How did all this get here? There must be a creator. Uh, Mm. A thought here from Stu. Uh, Philip, I think it's uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left on the show and we really haven't got time to go into this. But what I'd say is that God is just and he will do the right thing. And I think... Uh, there's a, a variety of different theologies on on hell about the duration and the uh, intensity, or you know what what hell is like. Uh, but all we can, probably can all agree on is that God is lo- both loving and just, and He will do the right thing. Uh, but the most important thing for you is let's not leave anything to chance or or theology. Let's make sure that we communicate the loving message of the good news of Jesus with all of our family and provide them an opportunity to receive Christ because we want to make sure that they are in heaven and that we can be with them for all of eternity. And even if you're taking a non-threatening approach by asking the question, have you thought about these issues and Mm -hmm. leave it to people to respond or do their own research in such a way as they can make a a determined choice? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much to Philip, and we'll have to draw a line under any more calls. We have run out of time. Mm. In fact, where did it go, Neil? The time went very quickly. (laughs) Uh, Stu... I always like to refer to the G7 app, and I'll point people to traintoproclaim.com. There'll be a link there to get the G7. Uh, Let's close, though, on a point here, Mm. Stu. Uh, Some people will see themselves pursuing that fruit of the flesh, and they're saying, well, I want to get onto the other side. How do Mm. I do that? Some Mm. people will be saying, uh, I'm I'm just in a limbo. I don't know what to believe. I've just lost some loved ones, and they didn't know Christ. There's a lot of... A lot of different variations on the way people might be feeling after a conversation like this. Mm. I wonder whether we might have a very short prayer uh, that might help to align with God's will and the good news and Mm. reject those things that are of the fruit of the flesh. Mm. I wonder whether you might like to lead us. Sure. Father, we thank you that you are a good God, a loving God. You care about us. You want us in your kingdom. You want to live with us forever and you want to live with us now here on earth. And I pray for every listener here today that's got family members like I do, uh, and I'm sure Neil does, 
that don't know you. And we pray, God, that you would touch their lives and you give us the courage and the boldness to be able to lovingly share your good news with them. And we pray, God, that you would help us in our lives to live by the fruit of your Spirit, that you would daily transform our lives into becoming more like Jesus, that we may have the life that you are wanting for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I'll point people to traintoproclaim.com. Stu Miller is the founder of Train to Proclaim. You'll be able to access the G7 app. You could even invite Stu to be a guest speaker at a church or a camp. He loves to do those and he'll travel distance if you were to invite him. Stu, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.